Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm the COO of a business called Rare Kind. It's National Reconciliation Week, and today on the show, we're talking about cultural awareness and becoming an ally at work and how we can close the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples. We have some very special guests on the episode. We're joined by Auntie Manya Andrews, an Aboriginal elder originally from the Kimberley region of Western Australia and Carla Rogers, who's a community engagement specialist. And together, they are co-directors of Evolve Communities and bring a wealth of lived experience and authentic cultural knowledge. They model successful black and white partnerships, reconciliation and allyship. And they've created cultural awareness training programs to share their love of Indigenous culture and help facilitate reconciliation and allyship. Before we get into the episode, though, we want to shout out to our show partner, Rare Kind. Are you ready for the unexpected, the uncommon and the extraordinary rare kind are about people culture and opportunities but not the ordinary kind or the expected kind the rare kind to find your next opportunity visit rarekind.com.au and make your next move your best move Today on the show, we are joined by Auntie Manya Andrews and Carla Rogers from Evolves. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Hello in Bari, Auntie mm-hmm. Manya's language. Mm. It's a real privilege to have you both join us. I already know without a doubt that I personally am going to learn a lot in the next 40 minutes or so, and I'm sure I won't be the only one. Auntie Manya, could I please invite you to offer an acknowledgement of country before uh, we start? Yes, for sure. So we say Nangamanladi, Nangamanladi Amba, Nangamanladi Uran, Nangamanladi Amborani Buru. Um, we say hello to um, traditional owners right across Australia and we say especially uh, Nangamanladi Wadiwadi Darawal, where we're based, Darawalburu, um, the Wadiwadi people of um, the Darawal Nation. So Nangamanladi, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was interesting in having a chat with you prior to this episode hitting record I guess on this episode and and the learning had already begun when we we began a conversation on the difference between an acknowledgement of country and a welcome to country. Would you mind talking us through what the difference is and and why one is appropriate in some circumstance and the other in other circumstance? Yeah well the acknowledgement and the welcome they're traditional um, protocols people think that they're a recent invention but they're not they're things that we've been doing for hundreds of years and um, it's only in recent years the rest of Australians have joined in. Um, the welcome to country is probably the most important one when you're on country and you're being welcomed. And it's usually done by um, a person from that from that area, usually an elder, but can be anybody from that area um, whose country it is. So, for instance, often I get asked to do a welcome to country in Sydney or Melbourne and I'll go, 
uh, I'd love to, but I can't because I'm not from those areas. That's not my country. So that's, so you have to be connected to that country. Then secondly, the acknowledgement of country, um, is where I'm not from that area, but I can acknowledge the traditional owners from that area. But the wonderful thing about the acknowledgement of country is it can be done by anyone, including yourselves. And so, um, uh, which is a wonderful way of sharing in First Nations culture. Um, so that's yeah. pretty much it, isn't it, Carla? That's right, Auntie Manu. And, and just so, uh, welcome to country can only be done by a traditional custodian mm, of, of that, country. That, yeah. that country, as Auntie Manu said. So it's very interesting for We've been online the whole last two years, and so pretty much you haven't done any welcome to countries as such, have you, for no, for those events? Right. Mm. But as a non-Indigenous person like myself, uh, we it, it's such an act of allyship to do an acknowledgement of country. So a simple mm. acknowledgement for, mm. for me today would be, you know, I, I, I acknowledge uh, the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawal Nation and pay my respects to elders past and present and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who might be listening in today. And so what we do is at, at Evolve Communities, we have a we have this beautiful little um, pocket-sized card, mm-hmm. like, a, like a credit card that slips in your wallet that has option, a couple of scripts for mm. what to say. Mm. And we teach people about the importance of doing it, why you'd want to do it, and how to make it your own. Yep. And we sit in a simple, really simple way. Just think of you going to someone's house for dinner. What? Well, of course, you don't ever just walk in. Well, most people don't just walk in <laughs> and sit down and eat the eat the dinner um, or whatever. Uh, you know, what do you do? You say hi. Thank you for having me at your home. Um, I see you. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of the acknowledgement, isn't it? It's seeing another person and acknowledging them, isn't it? Yeah, Mania? it is. And but it's also it's not just about that um, acknowledgement and that it's for your own benefit as well. And this is like um, you know what's in it for me? Well, it's about protecting you. When you give an acknowledgement of country, the spirits listen. And they protect you, um, particularly if you're passing through. And, you know, Australia's a really big country and the bush can be really um, large as well. But if you talk to the old people and you give a welcome, um, they'll look after or, you. Or as an acknowledgement. An acknowledgement, sorry. Yeah. You give an acknowledgement. They'll, they'll look after you while you're in that country. So, um, you know, it's for you as well. Yeah. This is such an empowering opening to this conversation for me personally. I emceed an event just a week ago and I offered the acknowledgement of country and I'm now reflecting thinking, wow, I while I had an appreciation for that, I, I lacked an, an understanding of the meaningfulness of it to the extent that in the last few minutes alone I've really come to connect with. So, look, thank you again. I, I will probably say that a lot but I just love learning and I love I have so much curiosity that uh, I really appreciate now how much I have to learn and, and I guess the deepening of the understanding is really quite powerful. And for your listeners, um, you know, it doesn't also, it's awesome that you did that at a, a formal event, but it doesn't have to be a formal thing either. Uh, so if I'm, yep. you know, wandering down the, the bush, bush this morning and suddenly, I, I you know, got, my attention got caught by a bird and I, I just remembered again, oh, my gosh, how beautiful it is here. And so then it's like, oh, hello, old people, uh, being the ancestors, the spirits. Mm. It's Carla here. I'm just going for a walk with the doggies. Thank you for having me on your country, you know, and thank Mm. you for sharing. So it 
you don't have to, you can practice it every day whenever you feel mm. the inspiration. Uh, Carla, that is such good advice as well that it's it's not about, it doesn't have to be the formality that in your day-to-day life, you can take those moments to pause and acknowledge. And I, I love that example as well because it's helping us get it into uh, how do we, we want to practically outwork this cultural awareness and really building that connection to country? And I know for both of you, and I've, having followed you on LinkedIn and, and looked at your videos on your website, I love um, Ask an Auntie videos. They're, they're great. So for anyone listening, we'll put it in the show notes so you can go and watch some of those videos. But you both talk a lot about connection to country. And while we're on this topic, I just want to understand what why is connection to country so important? Uh, it's important again, um, so that, um, the spirits can look after you, um, that, that you can feel more in touch with this land. You're able to commune with it, um, and talk, uh, with spirit and creatures, uh, plants, animals, rocks, and, and so forth. But it's, it's, it's just about being connected, spiritually connected to a place and, and feeling that you belong. Because the other thing we remind people about country and why it's so important to us um, Aboriginal people is that um, country is family. Um, it's like any other family member and, um, you know, the, the nuances that that relationship involves. And so it's about um, really developing a deeper connection um, with this land so that people feel that they can fit in, never feel alone, and that you're part of something bigger than ourselves. So, yeah, there's so many layers to that, isn't yes. there, Auntie Manya? So, Auntie Manya mentioned belonging, and you know, as a non-indigenous person, I've often, uh, when I've said to Auntie Manya, mm. "Oh, I don't feel like I belong to this group, or I belong here," and Auntie Manya's like, looks at me like I'm nuts, and she's like, "How? How can you? <laughs> yeah. How can you not?" Long, how can you have that feeling? You belong mm. to mm. country. You belong to so. I think that's yes. really important. And the other thing is, you know, if you think of country as family, and uh, how how much does that change our relationship to how we we yes. respect and, and treat and country. live on and treat country? And mm. it's just quite profound, really. Like we, I don't think we'd have many of the issues that we have. You know, the biggest mm. climate change, all those big issues we'd have today, if, if we treated country as family. Mm. Having this conversation today, it's certainly conjuring for me this sense of gratitude, mindfulness, and really opening my eyes to the fact that we don't need to wait only for formal events or formal more formal opportunities to be able to pay our respects in this way and how wonderful actually to be able to add this to our morning walks. I, I really like that and that's certainly a takeaway for me. It is National Reconciliation Week and the theme for this year we understand is be brave, make change. Auntie Manya, Carla, can you describe for us what does National Reconciliation Week and, and the theme of this year mean for you? Well, reconciliation is an ongoing journey, but the great thing about the Reconciliation Week is that it just helps us, all of us, all Australians, to just focus on reconciliation for that week to give it our undivided attention and energy so that we can uh, set out to achieve the things we want to achieve. The themes help in that. Um, be brave, make a change. It's reminding people of that constant need to 
create a better society for all of us so that we think, okay, what do we want to achieve? And to remember that it takes courage to um, take action and, and change things. And courage is something that features very strongly in our allyship training, doesn't it, Carla? Yes, it's it's. Oh, I could talk for hours about this, but mm. uh, as Auntie Manya said, um, reconciliation is is about action, and it's an ongoing journey, and mm. it's about relationships. Auntie Manya and I are just we we we're not young chick, chickens anymore. We, <laughs> you know, could have fooled us. As we get older, we get. Uh, I know um, a lot of your audience are in their twenties and thirties. When, as we get older, we're getting even more practical, I think, aren't we? So I think so, yeah. What is reconciliation to us? Well, it's all really about allyship. And so I'm not Indigenous and I can remember, you know, at, well, where this journey started for me was what I, can, I can remember being four, you know, four years old, being in the bush and just really yearning for an Aboriginal friend. And at the, back in my day, um, pro, you may not have ever heard of it. Some your listeners, your parents or grandparents might have listened to I watched a program called Skippy, which is about a kangaroo, and that was really big. And I, and I thought, you know, I felt such a sense of connection to the bush, but it's like where are the Aboriginal people? And so I remember having a very much a desire for that connection and and I think a lot of people even today even many of your listeners share that longing share that desire but often people just don't know where to start they're a bit afraid they've they might be frightened of saying or doing the wrong thing so what we do at Evolve is Auntie Manya and I have put together a, a framework and a, a, a teaching framework if you like for um, people to become allies and to become confident allies. So to have the skills to be brave and make that change. So to change your behaviour, reflect on your own behaviour, you have to be brave. It takes courage. But we don't just sort of push people over the ledge and say, off you go. <laughs> we sort of try to provide a really good parachute to do that. So, you know, and the skills we call the seven steps to allyship or seven steps to practical reconciliation, and they're the seven core things. Um, that we feel the basic building blocks for people to know. One of the first ones is sorry, reconciliation. And on that, we, you know, statistically only 3% of our population in Australia is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. If you imagine yourself in a room of 30 people, only one of those people is going to be an Auntie Manya. Mm. Now, we can't leave all of this important work up to the Auntie Manyas. It's just not practical. So it's all about Reconciliation Week and Reconciliation is all about the 29 of us uh, that aren't Indigenous stepping up and being brave to make change. Wow, that's such a beautiful way to put it. And to for me as someone who isn't Indigenous to understand it's not that one person's job that we have a role to play in, in being an ally and becoming and creating a more inclusive work environment. How can we, and I, I really want to know those seven steps, you've, you've touched on one with reconciliation, what are those other steps towards that? And I know you've written a book on this, so I'd love to hear more. Yeah, we've mm. got the book and we've got uh, all of our programs are based around this. We actually even have a launched last year an accreditation program for allies. And so with each step, we look at, 
you know, the, the basic concepts in this step, and then we look at all the actions that you can take under the step. So I've mentioned the first step is reconciliation. Yes. The second is uh, diversity identity and breaking down stereotypes. So for diversity, we look at how diverse Aboriginal Australia is and, you know, 500 mm-hmm. over 500 different groups. And so just imagine, and they're all called countries. Mm-hmm. So just imagine travelling through Australia if you had um, had to have a passport. Imagine how many stamps you'd have mm. on your passport if you, yeah. you know, even went from Sydney to Brisbane, um, exactly. travelling through yep. people's land, acknowledging their land. We look at what it means, identity for Aboriginal people. You know, it's about indigeneity, it's about country, isn't it, Munya, mm. and kinship. And mm-hmm. Auntie Munya, do you want to talk about a cup of tea? Oh, yeah. Well, it's under diversity. We look at who is an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person. We look at the government definition. The, uh, you have to be of um, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander de- descent. There's the biology. Then you have to um, identify as such and then be accepted by the community as such. But um, we say, you know, that's just the government definition for native title legislation and other forms of legislation. But so far as Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal people are concerned, it's enough that you simply are descended from an Aboriginal ancestor somewhere down the line. And we don't care how far back that it is either. And so many of us do have mixed racial heritage. And we have a saying, we, and a, we laugh about this as a joke and say, you know, after all, a cup of tea is still a cup of tea, no matter how much milk is added. And, and, and uh, <laughs> I always say to people, my milk is Scottish. Um, so that's added. But um, the indigeneity is really important living here in Australia. Yeah, so that's speaking to, you know, this stereotypes that we have and a stereotype about how an Aboriginal person might look. And, you know, so an Aboriginal person can have very fair skin uh, and, and... And blue eyes. And blue you know? eyes. And mm. so there's not one... Another stereotype, for example, we even a question that we ask, we have a diversity quiz that anyone can go online and do for free. And one of those questions is, you know, which state has the highest number of Aboriginal people? And most people answer Northern Territory, which is not correct. It's actually New South Wales because of Sydney. Hmm. And But again, the reason why we ask that question is because we have a stereotype of who is an Aboriginal Aboriginal person. person. Now, Northern Territory does have the highest proportion as a percentage of the population, but not the actual Mm. highest absolute number. Number. So that's just just a couple of things under diversity, the step two. And then step three is the impact of history. So when we're looking at history, we don't look at facts and figures. We look at the actual impact, the impact of our shared history and transgenerational Mm. trauma. And Auntie Manu, yes. slogan that we talk to, don't we? Yeah, we use it as a launching pad to go into um, discussion about this. And it comes from the 1987 NADOC poster, um, which theme that year was White Australia Has a Black History. And I was part of the organisation that came up with the slogan at the time and, and whatnot. But when it came out, it was considered so controversial. And, you know, because people just chose to focus on the black history, seeing that only in terms of the massacres, um, uh, colonisation and um, the 
dispossession of Indigenous people from country. But we said, no, that black also refers to who was here before Garia people came, which is our word for non-Aboriginal people, to this country, that there were black people living here with their own rich um, cultural heritage and tradition, practices and customs and so forth. And so that's the black history we're referring to as well. So you can, so we always say to people, look, it's a bit like yin and yang. To look at it holistically, you have to look at both, both sides. Um, so it's just a nice way to launch into looking at the history. Yeah, um, and it's really interesting when we look at that, that going back into dream time, which Auntie Manya has written on as well. Uh, you know, we go back 100,000 years and we look at that in terms of a 10-metre ribbon and then we ask people to guess what our shared history is in terms... And on a 10-metre ribbon, our shared history is only 2.5 centimetres. Mm. So, Or to think of it another way, like in a 24-hour day, um, our shared history is only six minutes. Mm. So you can imagine all the incredible... Mm. So we look at the incredible wisdom going back that full length of time, but also the incredible unfortunately quite tragic consequences of of our shared history um, but that wisdom is still there mm. it's not a thing in the past um mm. so yeah we go deep in, we look at stolen generation and and the impact of that yeah. and then we lead into step four which is a really fun thing we do is um we have activities for all of these and yeah. we do a speed dating activity where you unpack your cultural baggage Yes. And your, uncultural, your cultural baggage is like your unconscious bias and beliefs that we have that we're not even aware that we yes. have. So what's an example of a um, cultural baggage, Auntie Manya? So just rules, for instance, around manners and courteous behaviour. And people um, may not know, but there are no Aboriginal words for please or thank you in any Aboriginal language. I know there are recent memes on the internet saying, oh, the Wiradjuri word for thank you is this and blah, blah. But those are new inventions. Traditionally, um, there weren't those words. They were replaced by other things like in Bardi we say um, galagorna, um, just um, meaning um, that that's good. Yes, and there's a big reason for that, not having any words for people. Yeah, Thank and you. so we take people into um, finding out why that is and it's largely due to kinship and the way that Aboriginal societies were structured where everybody belonged and but everybody was socially obligated to one another in some way or form so it made words like please having to ask for something uh, and thank you after you receive it um, superfluous because it wasn't necessary yeah so we look at um, all the implications of that when we judge someone based on our own um, beliefs that we're not not even aware of and then we have strategies for differences uh, and things like eye contact, so many, so many things. And we look at Aboriginal English, words like deadly, you've probably heard, you know. Mm, mob. Um, even, yeah. Yes. Uh, mm. So that's, that's, that then leads into kinship. Mm -hmm. And in that, everyone becomes family. And the insights that people get out of that is, you know, how inclusive Aboriginal kinship is. It's all about, I mean, Again, Aboriginal people were 100,000 years ahead of us. You know, the HR um, organisations are now starting to use the language of inclusion and belonging, but that is central to the whole Aboriginal kinship system. Mm. Mm. So, But we look at how extensive that system is, how you can have many fathers, mothers, brothers, and, and the reason... You uncles, know, uncles, aunties. The reasons mm. for that and... 
the implications of all of the every step we look at the implications in the workplace so an implication of that is that you have a lot of sorry business in aboriginal person which is funerals and sorry business is very different isn't it auntie Manya? it's not a choice to go to a funeral it's it's a, an obligation so what do you do in a workplace um to make you know the workplace culturally um, safe and inclusive uh, when someone has needs more leave than someone else because of sorry business so we look at things scenarios like that yeah the next step is around the gap in australia so there is a massive gap your listeners might be aware of between indigenous and non-indigenous people yeah yeah people are pretty familiar with a lot of the statistics but things like low lower life expectancy higher rates of um incarceration uh suicide is double that of the rest of australians and and all of those tragic um figures and and that yeah you know, that's the gap yeah, yeah, and and we look at well, what plays into that gap, and and we feel that a big player into that gap is 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 privilege, um, mm. and privilege when we it's not a it's very empowering to look at your privilege as an ally. So as a um, a white person in Australia, I'm very privileged. Now it varies with context. You know, there's some situations I'm disadvantaged, but by the whole, by by and large, um, mm. there's things I don't have to think about. Uh, there's opportunities I get that an um, Indigenous person may not get, and so to explore that, we we look at an activity called the Privilege Walk, and we've adapted it for the gap in Australia. Yeah. And we look at um, how to talk about racism and how to talk about privilege. And the need for it and that again also the privilege walk you can do that online mm-hmm. on our website as well and it, it's such a, it leads into the final step which is about allyship and understanding your privilege is one of the first tips to being an ally mm-hmm. so again we have everything that we explore there's no guilt or shame we have no choice about who we're born to what skin color we have but it's what we do with what we have that makes a difference mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very much all done in a positive space. It's a, it's a journey of self-reflection. So learning about Aboriginal culture is, is more as, mu- as much learning about yourself and your own culture. This word ally and allyship is something that's come up many times in this conversation so far. And I, I guess I'm hoping, would you mind just defining to us what does it mean to be an ally? Well, if we look to the dictionary definition, it's really just simply an ally is any anyone that supports um, either an individual or a group of people. Um, and if you think just by that dictionary definition alone, I'm sure many of your listeners can can think um, relate to being an ally. And people have been allies without realizing it. So when I was at school, for instance, one of the things I really um, hated was um, bullying of other kids and that, and it's something I still don't don't like at all. So I took it upon myself to protect kids that were being bullied at, at at school. So without knowing it, I was being an ally to those kids, and then also um, I was being an ally for my own people. So I grew up at a time when there was a lot of racism around in Australia, but even to the point where people felt that they could say some of the most horrendous racist stuff right in front of your in front of you um, without a care in the world. And I would pull people up when they'd say 
horrible things about Aboriginal people. And I'd go, you know, that's not true. Like, like all Aboriginal people get this for free or whatever. And I'd pull them up and then um, I'd educate them a bit more. Um, so I was being an ally for my people. So anybody can be an ally and that's what we, we teach in our training courses. But specifically the notion of allyship really comes from um, America with um through the um, re-evaluation counselling movement and um, where I first became aware of that as as a movement, um, allyship, and so we've drawn a lot from from their work. Yeah, and it's become more, so we have incorporated in our programs, I don't know, for close to 10 years, but it is, you you are seeing that that word a lot more at the moment at the moment yeah and people think it only applies to the lgbt community but um it's actually um being an ally is helping any oppressed group or minority group and so that includes indigenous people as well so Mm. and there's some really simple tips for being an ally we have a um through all of our steps in our whole program we have a three-step approach it's called the three r's to reflect relate reconcile so reflect what is at the heart of the matter, relate, put yourself in the other person's shoes and reconcile, design a way forward together. together. And so we give examples of how to do that through mm. all the different scenarios, but yeah. you could even you could think of examples at home that you could apply that to a tricky conversation mm. or situation. Yeah. And there's some really cool tips, simple tips to being an ally and, and um, you know, to always to understand your privilege, we mentioned, to, to do your homework to listen, um, to speak up but not over and, and never speak for another group. Uh, and um, also another important thing is to learn from your mistakes. It's about action and really interestingly allyship, it's about your impact in this case, not your intent. Mm. So that's a really significant um, distinction, I think. Mm. Uh, that There's so much insightful, rich wisdom you've both just shared. And I'm just thinking even speaking up but not speaking over or for. Mm. Like I just want to pause. I know. I almost, I just want to encourage everybody to hit rewind, listen to the last couple of minutes again because so much of this, again, it's just learning opportunities, but so much of this, we're talking about respect. We're talking about reflection. I certainly will be going back and listening again. The word reflection, as I say, it's just coming up so many times in our conversation. There's so many wonderful, really practical tips that we can take on board. My mind is certainly already going back to things that I've done and how I've approached certain situations and where there's just some room for for improvement so that going forward, the focus is on, okay, we start with reflection, then we move to action and, and I can do things differently, do things better. And that's where the learning comes from and, and the support. And as I say, if I can encourage everybody to go back, listen to the last couple of minutes again, or, you know, finish this episode and re-listen to the whole thing again. I dare say we'd all be better for it. We basically just want to make sure that we're having the impact that we intend to. That's right, Em, and being willing to look at your impact. Um, so we get asked a lot, well, what if, for me, for example, as an, a non-Indigenous ally, what what do I do if an Indigenous person gives me feedback that something I did 
um, was was wrong or, you know, and so I never, I apply the three R's and I never defend myself. So, for example, in that case, I, I would, if someone gave me that feedback, I'd say, thank you so much for being brave and, and sharing that with me. I really want to learn more. If now is not a good time, can we set up a time for me to understand more about what, what I've done and why you feel that way? We've already dug into so many great strategies and tips that people can apply both in their personal life, in their home, family life, but also at work. I'd love to dig in more to this workspace. Before we do, though, we're going to quickly take a break and come right back. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, Auntie Manya and Carla, what are the things we can do to become more culturally competent and aware at work? Wow. Um, we, we love yarning people, so you're welcome to join any, <laughs> any of our programs. And we have a lot of free resources available. You mentioned Ask Auntie, uh, Auntie Manya's been going viral on um, all the LinkedIn, different social medias. Yeah. And uh, we also have launched Ask an Ally too because we're mm. getting a lot of questions that were directed yeah. that way. Yes. But the main way, the first thing to do, we feel, is to, like we said in Allyship, Allyship is to do your homework. So immerse yourself in what's out there. There's so much good material, movies, um, books, mm. It's not just NITV now that has, you know, SBS, ABC, the mainstream have so much amazing content. Like, um, you know, for a lot of our programs when we're teaching, we're we're not talking. We'll be showing um, uh, part of the movie Rabbit Proof Fence, for example, which is about the stolen generation. So it's all about uh, we'll be sharing a song written by Uncle Archie Roach. Um, So it's it's really easy to do. It's all about self-education and when we look at the impact of history, a lot of people say, oh, I wish I was taught that in school. And we even yesterday we were working with a group that was quite younger and I was a bit surprised that they were even saying, you know, they feel like they didn't learn a lot at school. So in stepping up to be the 29th in 30, being brave, 
before you, you know, like I had that desire for an Aboriginal friend, but before you even do that, if the opportunity arises, great, connect with a local person and so forth. But in the workplace, I think before you even do that or seek out if you have any Indigenous employees and talk to them, do some homework first and immerse yourself in that space. And we don't need to put the burden on the Auntie Munyas to do that. There's so much already out there um, that, that you can look at first. And look, I'm probably asking this question to try and and be brave and ask and try and I guess just break down some of the things that might be in our, our listeners' minds. Why should someone do that? Why should we care to be an ally? Why should we care to uh, become more culturally competent at work and, and to go and do that research um, at the risk of, of asking what sounds like an insensitive question, but, you know, what's in it for me if I'm listening? No, that's that's there's, mm. there's so much in it for you as yes. a listener. Um, if you're wanting to progress in your career, there's lots of statistics out there to show that a more inclusive and diverse workplace is more productive. More productive yep. uh, and so, so there's that. There's that, you know, it will help you in your career. It will also help you in your career, for example, going out, accreditation program, for example, is very thorough and you're, so you're really skilling up your, your competencies in this area. And the skills aren't just for, um, to be an ally for Indigenous people, it's across all cultures. And we know that, you know, the statistics again are around like a more diverse the workplace is, um, the, again, the more productive it is. So the more that you're showing those skills in your your career. And then there's a lot of personal reasons too, isn't there? Yeah, and, and societal ones too. Like, you know, for us, it's all about creating a kinder, more inclusive Australia. And a, a kinder, more inclusive Australia can could result in lowered crime, um, better way we treat each other in society. And that to me is just a, a win-win, um, surely, um, that we want to yeah. achieve. And um, that, that's why this sort of training is important. And the third thing I think is learning more about yourself because mm. uh, as you mentioned, Em, it's all about self um, We mentioned reflection a lot. That's because it is all about self-reflection and insight. So you're learning a lot more about yourself in becoming an ally mm. and you're being courageous. And uh, But the fourth thing I'll hand over to Auntie Manya is, is just the incredible wisdom within Indigenous knowledge, Auntie Manya. Yeah, and how for, much it has to offer. Oh, absolutely. And especially like during this time of COVID, we found that where people were feeling isolated and, and people were getting lost and frightened. And we went, hang on now, come back to basics. Um, let's look at the Aboriginal way of doing things and family and that notion of looking out for each other. How about calling up your neighbour and saying, how are you going? You know, we're not alone in this. We are family. We're going through this as family. Just reminding people of those basics. Um, and again, that's coming back to, to down to Aboriginal wisdom and, and, um, and the fact that we've been around as a people for such a long time. Some people are saying, you know, we're the oldest culture on earth and, and it's like, well, you know, there's that, all that experience in that. We've got that ability to, yes, this is a rough time now, but know that things come in cycles too. And so that this too will pass 
in time. So just fall, like falling back, um, you know, with an older mother or father or even grandparents saying, there, there, things will get better, you know, just relying back on, on that as well. But also how to live in this country and live in this country in a sustainable way. As, as Carla mentioned, climate change at, at the beginning, just about how to, what's your carbon footprint in this country and uh, lots of um, Indigenous cultural protocols around that and practices about how to keep that down to a minimum. So your your listeners are and you know are leading and a bit younger than your listeners. You're leading the charge in this area, but also you know the research has shown that you've been most affected by the impacts of isolation and so forth from COVID. So yeah, I think there's a lot of coming. We whenever anyone works with us, we say you without sounding like a cult, but, you, you know, you're part of our kinship network. Yeah, so it's feeling family. that sense of you you really are valued, you know, you, you are included, you belong here. So that, those values. Mm. I love the sense of even I'm just thinking about your programs and being like, I want to join because I want to be part of the, the community. <laughs> the kinship, kinship is just hearing you unpack that for me as a non-Indigenous person and understanding what that could look like to create a more inclusive workplace, to create mm. organisations that really do help to close the gap, which is absolutely something we need to see. And, and we've probably got time for one more question. And I'm just thinking about for so many of us who want to see that gap closed and what is it practically of if we want to become an ally to help do that, what practical steps could we take today, this week, this year to help do that? Really good question. And it's a mm. question that we ask everyone that engages with us is yes. we ask, you know, what is yeah, one, one action, action that you'll take? And we give lots of ideas for that. And also on our website, we've got an allies wall that anyone can go on there and put their ideas. So you can even see some ideas there. So we we put that question back to your listeners from everything you've heard today. Mm. What is one thing you will do to make a difference in the at home or in the workplace? One thing you could do at a workplace if you've never done before is you could do an acknowledgement of country. You could find out if there if your organization has a reconciliation action plan. Um, if you you could get involved in that if there is one or you could you know, look at the viability of doing one. You could see if the workplace has uh, a map of Aboriginal Australia up anywhere and you could suggest that, that they put that up because that mm. can be, that can make the workplace so much more culturally safe. There's yeah. there's lots of things. Uh, for the 26th of January, we always put out five tips and ideas for being an ally. And in the workplace, uh, some organisations, what do they call it now, floating leave, like allowing people to, have a, to have a different day off mm. than the 20. So, so yeah. there's there's so many actions um, that you can take and they can be small. They can start small. Well, I would like, if it's okay, to commit to two things yeah. that I would like to do. And, and funny you mentioned the acknowledgement of country because that was one that came to mind for me in the workplace that I know is not something that we currently do, but particularly, um, you know, at the beginning of meetings and, and we do bring all of our people together on a regular basis throughout the year, I would like to make that commitment to introduce an acknowledgement of country um, to those, those meetings, those times when we all do come together. And the second thing I'd like to do, which is probably... Uh, I guess goes to that heart of that self-reflection and and for me personally you've mentioned a few resources throughout this discussion that are on your website 
uh, that look at things like bias and, and whatnot, we will make sure they're in the show notes, but they're certainly something that I will be jumping on and completing to try and, again, just just remove my own blind spots a little bit mm-hmm. further and to give myself more to think about as well. Oh, and this is so good. And it's really, I love what you're saying of take action and, and just start with one action if that's what it is. I think reflecting on privilege and really identifying that and calling that out in your own mind of going, what does that mean? And then I love as well thinking through, it's not my intent, it's my impact. It's my impact. So what impact do I want to have? How do I want to create a more inclusive workplace where we do belong, where we build in those connections? And and I love hearing even learning so much in this podcast about connection to country and what that means in a daily, on my daily walk where I go every day, I can have those moments of pause and acknowledging country. And, and so thank you so much for sharing the depth of wisdom and the steps we can take to become an ally and create a more inclusive workplace. Because for us, that's such a huge desire and something we really want all of our listeners to be part of building. Yeah, thank you both. Oh, yes. Thank you. We love sharing the resources. Um, Auntie Manya um, has a book on Aboriginal spirituality, Journey into Dreamtime. If you're wanting to know more about connection to country, and mm. next year um, we're publishing uh, Auntie Manya's book on um, Aboriginal languages. Is Auntie Manya? Yeah, Magabala book through Magabala books, <laughs> and it's called um, Can You Speak Gugabara? Because people may not realising they're not pronouncing the name Kookaburra properly. We don't have that K or C sound um, in our languages. It's closer to a G. So Kookaburra is actually Gugabara. So for me, one thing that people can do to keep is to learn an Indigenous language, but maybe if not the full language, could be just words, words for country and or places uh, and towns would be a start, would be a great place. Yeah. I know people are talking more about Nam, you know, Melbourne, and using these Indigenous names and terms. I'd like to see that um, brought into our consciousness. Yeah. But for our, our thank you, as Auntie Manya um, mentioned before, there is no word for thank you in Aboriginal languages. So, yeah. so we borrow yeah. from our Torres Strait Islander friends and colleagues who say SO to everything. So we say big SO to you and big SO to your listeners who are, um, will be listening uh, to this podcast uh, for tuning in and wanting to find out more. So big SO to you. And in Yiddical uh, Gorna, which means um, go, well go well in Auntie in Manya's language. Ah, beautiful. I love this so much. This has just been such a beautiful conversation and I really, both of us really, big SO to you both. Absolutely. I know. I'm going to listen back and I'm going to be practising the pronunciation of of some of these words that we've learnt today. And the next time we chat, I'm going to do a better job at at communicating with you in that way because, again, I feel like my to-do list from this episode is very long (laughs) and I I will will work my way through it because I have learnt so much. And and thank you for, uh, I guess, embracing our curiosity as well. I often have a little bit of trepidation in conversations like this where I do have, um, you know, there is a braveness for me because I do have concern for doing the wrong thing or not articulating myself in the correct way and you have made it feel like a really safe place to explore a few of these ideas. So um, appreciate your time and hopefully you will take us up on the offer if we were to come and knock on your door and, and learn more in the future again. Yeah, yes, great. that'll be great. Thanks both. So, awesome. Yep. Yeah, and so Maria will f- from our team will follow up with you about anything you need, Perfect. the resources and things like that. 
Wonderful. So as always, thank you so much for hanging out. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star rating and review. Helps us get it out there. Thanks so much and we'll see you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.